Well, welcome everyone to my <laughs> backyard. We have been looking forward to having people here for a long, long time. It's been like a long time. I've I preach in different places here and then I preach from my basement and I'm just so, so, so excited. So awesome. And counting down to the days that we can all be together in like a much bigger setting uh, with, with everybody who we've been missing. So welcome everybody who's uh, following on online. Hey, we are in a sermon series called One One-on-One, uh, -on -one, where we're talking about these meaningful relationships that start first with Jesus and then spill over to the way that we have one-on-one -on -one relationships with with each other. Uh, I think everybody here is in lots of is is in meaningful relationships, right? And uh, but anybody have difficulty with those relationships? Yeah, they are. They they are they are they're challenging. I'm seeing some waving of hands over there, just like <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is this is live, right? Can can we edit that that part out? No. Okay. <laughs> Hey, so we are this morning going to be talking about uh, wrapping up this, this sermon series as we talk about what it is to have these meaningful relationships and what Jesus has to do with these relationships. And I'll be honest, this season has been probably the most meaningful season for me in terms of encountering Jesus. Jesus has just met me, reshaped things inside of me, called me back to a meaningful relationship with him. And so... I'm excited about that. Like there's there's something happening inside of me. And I think that there's something happening in a lot of people in our community. And and I'm just really excited to see all the stories and hear the stories that are happening inside of you. And that's really what I'm most excited about coming back is just this great sense that God has been at work and is at work and loves us so dearly. Hey, the way that we're going to start talking about uh, some a story today is we're going to tell the story of Philemon and Onesimus and Paul. Who even goes there? It's the one of the shortest books in the Bible, but you know what? Preston's going there. We are going to dive, dive in, and and talk about it. But to get into it, I want to talk about the future. Did you know that we are really bad as humans? Our brains are really bad at figuring out the future. Or maybe I should put it this way: Our brains like to think that they know what the future looks like. You probably already know what your lunch plans are going to look like, what tomorrow looks like. We love to order our world in days of the week and months, and we love to know what's going on around us. But you know what? We're really bad at predicting what the future holds for us. Our brains, uh, we take what we've experienced, and then we try to project that forward to what's up. So I have something to show, sh show here. This is a record. This is a Gordon Lightfoot record. Uh, I have a record player, and it's fun. Uh, this is the, the little needle for all the kids watching today, it goes around in grooves, if you can believe it, and that makes actual music. And and so people got in their, in their head that music is something that goes around and around. So they came up with other technology. Look at this, cassette tape. Um, I bought a little cassette tape player for my daughter because she likes music and she plays this in her room. But when I first showed it to her, she was like, what is that, right? Uh, again, round and round. Or this, I got I got a CD here. Uh, they, they thought, listen, if we have a record that goes round and round, now we're all advanced, now we're gonna have CDs and it's gonna be a laser instead of a needle that goes round and round. People who made music and who made these different formats that are now so old and archaic to us, they had no concept of the fact that music didn't have to go round and round. They just couldn't imagine a future where music was anything other than something that was, uh, even in their digitization, it was round and round. Now I pull out my phone and we have this thing called the internet and music doesn't go round and round anymore. It's a linear line and we just 
move our little slider to it and it's all digital and we can get it now rapidly and so on. Our brains are kind of like this and actually our relationships are a lot like this too. We believe that we know how a relationship we are in is going to be in the future. And we believe that maybe some of the hardships, some of the difficulties that we've had in the past are the way that we're going to relate to the world around us in the future. It might be our families, it might be our neighbors, it might be our church community. But today we're going to take a look at a story of two people who were at odds, and it's really complex the way that these two were at odds, as we'll see in a second, but they did not have an imagination for how the future could look any different than what it was, that they could perpetually be at odds. Except for this, Jesus stepped in and showed them another way, and Paul showed them another way, and their future was totally different because of it. As followers of Jesus, we actually rely on a different story, not the story of the past pain or trauma or uh, sadness or embarrassment that sometimes define how we relate to God and the world around us now. And we sometimes relate differently to the world around us now because we don't want to relive some of that pain and trauma and difficulty from the past. That's like, that's like your brain trying to protect you. It's a God-given thing. But sometimes those things don't help us relate to God and the future the way that we're supposed to. And that's why the story of Jesus is so important to us, and why we talk about the story of God at work in our lives so much. Because we as followers of Jesus, we rely on this different story, not on the pains of disappointment from the past, but pains and disappointment that have been given to Jesus and transformed for the future. So we live into a different future, and we can actually enjoy a different future that's different from where we came from. Jesus forgives us. He includes you and me. He calls us beloved. He covers us with, uh, he, and he covers for us in just every possible way. This Jesus who steps into our lives changes the future for us and then defines how we courageously step into a belonging community together. This is the good news of Jesus, that something was one way and because of Jesus, it goes another way. So today we're going to be exploring uh, one of Paul's very shortest letters. It's a it's a letter where Paul reorients two people who thought the future would be one way, and he reorients them both to Jesus in a different way. And in doing so, he heals their relationship actually with each other. It's one of the most powerful little letters, and I've loved it for years. And it's a potent picture, I think, of how Jesus utterly transforms every part of our lives now. So I think it's worth spending some time there. Well, I'm going to introduce you to the three characters in this story. The first one is a guy named Philemon. Philemon is a guy who became a follower of Jesus through Paul. He came to faith in Paul. He was baptized by Paul, and he became a bishop or a, or a leader in the church in Colossae. So all these little house churches were meeting, and he seemed to be the guy who was overseeing this. And it was in a city a lot like Chestermere, a mix of people from different backgrounds, coming from different places, different faiths. And he was establishing, like a church planter, Philemon was establishing in this place the way of Jesus, a community of people who followed the way of Jesus. And so he was the bishop there, and uh, as we'll read, he had uh, a slave, and his slave's name was Onesimus. And Onesimus somehow wronged him, we don't know how, but he wronged Philemon and ran away. He booked it out of there, left in his wake uh, his master, his slave owner, Onesimus, or Philemon, uh, reeling in some way. So, who is Onesimus, and why did he run away, and what is this world about? It would be really odd for us to think that a leader in the church here in Chestermere today has uh, has slaves. 
But actually, back in the in the ancient world, uh, up to half of everybody who was around was a slave, and the other half were were slave owners in in some way. It was it was something that we don't really understand today, but it was taken for granted. That's how the world worked back then. And so we're going to take a look at that. So Onesimus, his name actually meant useful. He was a Phrygian slave, which back then were known as lazy slaves. If you had a Phrygian slave, you you got yourself a dud slave. And so 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 Onesimus, so Philemon gives him the name useful, which is kind of a way of saying maybe you can live up to your name a little bit here, right? So Onesimus, he runs away. Now, if you ever ran away from your master in those times and your master got you back, they were within their rights to beat you, even to kill you. And so Onesimus runs away and Philemon could do all sorts of terrible things to, to, to him. People became slaves through debt, through being uh, taken as a slave, through battle. There's a whole bunch of different ways, and it's really tragic, actually, uh, that we we all agree now that that uh, slavery is a terrible thing. And actually, this letter uh, was a formative letter in changing the way people related to each other and ultimately how slavery uh, was defeated in, 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 in much of the world. So slaves had really no rights or recourse. Once you were a slave and if you ran away and you didn't clear, clear that up with your slave owner, you were on the lamb, you were on the hunt. Uh, it was just bad. And Onesimus found himself in this place, except for one thing. He stumbled across Paul, and Paul was in prison, and he stumbled across Paul, and Onesimus was helping Paul. And Onesimus became a follower of Jesus and radically transformed. So not only just, he didn't just become Paul's slave, but he actually became Paul's son in Jesus. And so there's this meaningful relationship. And guess what? Paul knows both Philemon and he knows both Onesimus, and they couldn't be at two separate ends, except for one thing. They both became followers of Jesus. So let's take a look at how this story unfolds for us. Um, one last thing about Paul. Paul. Paul was both a good Roman citizen and a religious leader. Now, if you know both the slave owner and the slave, this, Paul had two options, really. One, to be a good Roman and to turn in Onesimus and have him face whatever punishment he could have faced. He could turn him in, and under the law, he could turn him in and say, Philemon, here is your slave back. I gave him back to you because I'm a good Roman, and you can go and beat him or do whatever you want. His other option was to be a good religious leader. After all, Paul was a rabbi. He was, he was a well-known Jewish religious leader. And guess what he could have said? He could have said, take back your slave, but listen, just don't beat him that hard. Be compassionate on him. Take him back as a slave, beat him really good, but not that bad, and you'll be fine. So let's take a look at what Paul really does here. What Paul does is he writes this letter to Philemon, gives it to Onesimus, and sends Onesimus back to his slave owner, Philemon. Both of them are now Christians, and let's see the way that Jesus transforms this situation. And you can imagine Philemon ha or Onesimus having this letter in his hand. The only thing that potentially could keep him out of utterly being beat or killed by his slave owner. The great hope that Paul lays out in this letter. So you can imagine him gripping onto this and then going about a thousand kilometers on foot, carrying this, hoping that he's not going to his death. 
but maybe something about Jesus means that his future will look different than he's expecting. So listen to this letter that Paul writes. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I'm writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and our sister Aphia, and our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church that meets in your house. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. And I'm praying that you will put at, into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. That's why I'm boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it's the right thing for you to do, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you. Consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, now a prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father, father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he's very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you, and with him comes my own heart. I wanted to keep him here with me a while. Uh, I am in these chains for preaching the good news, and he could have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I, want, I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a while so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged anything in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, write this with my own hand, and I will repay it. And I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. Yes, my brother, please do this. Please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I'm confident as I write this letter to you that uh, you will do uh, what I ask and even more. One more thing. Please prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. So do Mark. Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my co-workers. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. So he takes this letter asking Philemon and saying, listen, you should turn this slave of yours into a brother. And the slave, Onesimus, carries this back. We don't really know what happens after this. We think there's good evidence to say that everything went actually swimmingly and really, really good. But let's take a look here at what happens in this message. So he's going back with this, and listen to what Paul does. Paul takes and he does something really important to Philemon. He reminds him. This is often the way that we go forward in something, the way that we step into a new future that's different from our past, is we have to be reminded of a bunch of things. And that's what Paul does. He's brilliant in this. He reminds him. He wants to connect Philemon's story to Jesus to show him that it's actually Jesus' story in him that sets out a new future. It's not his story. It's not 
the Roman civic system of the time. It's not the slavery system of the time. It's not all these cultural influences on Philemon that decide how he should treat Onesimus. But it's actually, from this point on, it's the way of Jesus in him that determines how to go forward with uh, Onesimus. So, he reminds Philemon that he is connected to Jesus. That's the first thing. That is your primary thing he's saying. You're connected to Jesus. He reminds him that he loves all who follow Jesus. Hence, that would be his slave even, who now follows Jesus. He reminds him of his connection to the church. He isn't just himself making decisions anymore. He's part of a body of people who are gathering together to love their city in Jesus' name. And he reminds him of his partnership even with Paul in serving Jesus. He isn't a lone wolf here. He's connected to Paul, who brought him into the faith. And he reminds him of what they share together because of Christ. And then he reminds him that his life in Jesus is refreshing the Lord's people. So he gives him this big reminder and says, this is who you are. Isn't this what we are doing in this season even too? In this season coming out of this pandemic, we are being reminded of who we are and whose we are so that all the things that have weighed us down in this terrible, tragic last year are something that we can be reminded again that we are in Jesus and that our future looks different because of that. So this reminder, it, it's meant to reset Philemon. Not to follow what he is owed or what his former Jesusless life commonly would look like, but to set him up to see that his life in Jesus has a different future. He looks back, reminds, and then resets Philemon to look forward and to look at his now brother Onesimus in the eye. So Paul then does something remarkable. He doesn't do what a Roman would do or what a religious leader would do. Uh, he does what this new life in Jesus can do. He tells Philemon not only to forgive Onesimus, but then to make him a very brother, to make him like a son. He asks Philemon to trade in the death-dealing way of the Rome, of Rome, uh, or the way of being right himself, or that he's owed his slave as though he's property, and instead, he's meant to assume this new and almost unimaginable future where he deals in grace, where he deals in freedom and forgiveness. And, in, and as a result, he gets in exchange a brother, a friend, a partner in ministry. This is the good news. He's not property anymore, but he's a person loved by Jesus just like he is. He is to be kin and part of his own family. Philemon only knew one way. <laughs> it was to just get his property back. But Jesus says, no, there is another way. It is not the old way, but it's a new way. So Paul then even does one better. Every letter that Paul writes, he talks about the death and resurrection of Jesus. He says, this is so important. What Jesus does for you changes everything. This is the one letter that he doesn't talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus, but he does one better, I think. He shows how Jesus changes us. And he does it. As Paul is writing, he he takes on all the debt that Onesimus has. He says in this letter, he says, if you consider me a partner, first welcome him. And then he says this, if he's done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. Now Paul didn't have to take on the debt of this slave. Paul didn't have to take on what was owed by this slave who probably stole something from Philemon and then runs away, spending all, all this stuff. He is now in debt, not only with his life, but probably with the stuff that he sold. And 
Suddenly, Paul's saying, charge it to me. Put it on my ledger. I take it on so that you can be united together again, not as slave and owner, but as brothers in Jesus. Isn't this what Jesus does for us? <laughs> when we have a rift between us and someone else, guess who steps in and says, I take on whatever pain is owed. Anything that costs you something, I charge it to my ledger, charge it to my line. I will carry that debt. I'll carry that burden so that you can be free to have a different new future. This is what Paul does. Imagine that. I bet Philemon gets this letter and he's like, the great Paul, I'm going to charge this to him? No, I, th I think I'm going to do the right thing and forgive. Well, this good news is lived out in a really important way. Um, because what, we aren't sure what happened. This letter is really all we have. But we do have some evidence that Philemon, reminded of who he is and whose he is, he turned Onesimus into a brother just like he was asked. He had every right to beat or even kill Onesimus. But there was a better future that was made because of Jesus. And Paul lays it all out. Paul puts himself in the firing line. And this heals the rift. In another part of the New Testament, we actually hear of a guy named Onesimus. We think it's the same guy who is now out and about doing good work. So we think Onesimus must have gotten forgiven. <laughs> he must have become a brother and got to carry on doing Jesus' things in, as a free person. Because it says later that Paul calls him our faithful and dear brother. Who is one of you? Isn't that, an, isn't that interesting? Onesimus, who is now one of you. He's included because of who Jesus is. He's included, he's forgiven, and he belongs to the family of Jesus' followers. What a totally different future than what they would have expected. Here's the really happy ending. Onesimus, this runaway slave, is believed to have mended his relationship with his master Philemon. Not only does it seem that he became uh, a brother in Jesus, but Onesimus is said to have actually become the second bishop of Ephesus, about 170 kilometers away. From slave to brother to bishop, he is out there creating new communities that follow in the Jesus way. Uh, he lived his life loving God's people. That's what happens when we're forgiven in Jesus, when we find a new life, is we actually, it spills over. We want to create more community of other people that he's mending. I bet Onesimus was probably one of these guys that would see other slaves and masters and bring them together and say, listen, Jesus can have a different future for you. So where does this leave you and me? Sometimes we have the right to think, uh, or sometimes when our rights are run over and we are owed something and we're hurt or a person slights us in some way or we lose something or something is stolen from us or somebody owes us 10 bucks and we're bitter towards them. Well, we might be hurt, we might be offended. Coming out of this pandemic, man, there's a lot of broken relationships. I'm seeing it in a lot of places. But we can get mad and we can cross our arms in bitterness and we'd be in the right to maybe be doing that. This is the way our future looks. There's only one way forward and we've done it all, all this entire human history. So try to get what's right for me. Run over whoever I can run over. If somebody's done me wrong, hey, that's on them. I'm mad and I'm going to keep it that way. Well, that's all rooted in one story. Us as lone rangers running our own way apart from God. But Paul has this reminder for Philemon. It's also a reminder for us, for our community, for you and me. 
You belong to God and God's family. This is what's true about you. It's, it's the core of how we go to a different future. You belong. You are a partner in the way of Jesus in this city here in Chestermere. You get to care for God's people and love your neighbors. You are Jesus's. And that makes the future look different. So this reminder takes all of our relationships and utterly changes them. Not just to endure others, not just to hurt a little bit less, not to get what is owed to you. No, Jesus changes our very future into one where people who have offended you, who have inconvenienced you, or who bother you, become people who you can call your very brother or sister. It changes a relationship with absolutely everybody. Because Jesus steps in and says, anything that's owed to you, charge it to me. So you can be friends again. You can be united. You can be family. This is the picture of God's redemptive life for the world. So following Jesus is radical. If following Jesus is something you tack on, you have not yet discovered a discipled life in Jesus. If following Jesus feels radical to you, like you're mending relationships in ways that you would never have thought to do before, guess what? You are probably deeply experiencing the good news of Jesus in your life. If it's just something you tap on, it's probably not yet there. And I think Jesus might be calling you, like this letter to Philemon and saying, I want to remind you of who you are and what that means for your future. Life of Jesus is radical. It's not a nicety. Lake Ridge Community Church, listen, we have a really good thing going here. We get along really good. But guess what? This is a radical community. This is a radical community of people who are living the Jesus way. And that's going to change the way we reach out to people of different faiths, of different ethnicities, of different beliefs. We get to be united together because of Jesus, not because of us. This is good news. And I cannot express enough how following Jesus is a life-changing experience. And guess what? It is a good life-changing experience. It is a movement from a way that we can only think it could only be this way. I show up at church on Sunday, put a nickel in the plate, and that's it. Guess what? That is a really boring way of following Jesus. Just showing up and whatever it looks like, it is boring. And I'm excited for a new way, which is the Jesus way, which changes our city totally. That's the way of Jesus, and that's the way we're stepping into. Guess what happened to Paul? Paul got his partner and son in Onesimus. Because of Jesus, for Onesimus, he got his freedom and, a, and his brother out of a former master. And for Philemon, he got a brother and a partner in ministry. The life of Jesus transforms things that we thought would be one way, and it makes it totally different in another way. Each of us has a new future that we can't even imagine because of Jesus. So Lake Ridge Community Church, we are talking a lot about replanting and reconnecting. Guess what we are replanting and reconnecting? A radical Jesus community in this place that redeems, that draws people together who we wouldn't even imagine be together for a future that is full of freedom and life and connection. This is good news. This is the radical and life-giving message of Jesus. So my friends, we are meeting in backyards. <laughs> we are radical people meeting in backyards. We are radical people who are going to step out with this great hope of Jesus because we have a new future of a Jesus who covers everything for us so that we can be the people of God here. Amen? Amen.
Let me bless you. As we go from here, thank you for everybody who's been meeting in backyards. We took a risk on the rain. Me of little faith, I was like, it's going to be too rainy. And Evan's like, oh, my son, you have not, you have not learned the ways of of meteorological changes in the province and so we met and look at it it turned out wonderful so my friends may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you may the lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace because it's his peace that changes everything in the future amen go in peace everybody bless you all